today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. All right, uh, Emmys announced yesterday, and and you know you know that you know you're getting old, or uh, or maybe you just spent too much time in a pandemic. Uh, when you realize that most of the shows that are uh, being nominated for Emmys are from streaming services. They're not from the traditional uh, networks uh, anymore, which is, uh, I guess, just a sign of the times. Uh, I think a lot of this was going on before the pandemic uh, even started, as, as people get into uh, binge-watching uh, and, and this sort of thing. And, um, you know, I, I think other than perhaps the late-night uh, categories. I, I, I don't think the, uh, traditional TV is uh, is at the same place that the streaming services are. I'm not sure if that has uh, changed as a result of the global pandemic and, of course, as being at home uh, for such a long period of time or whether that was just the way it was going anyway. To talk more about all of this and where we are with television in a post-pandemic age, Bill Brio is with us, TV critic. Uh, you can find out more at brio.tv. He is with us now. Bill, thanks for the time. I hope you're doing well. Doing just fine, Scott. Likewise with you. And, uh, thank you very much so. And, you know, I know you're a massive fan of award shows, which is <laughs> why as soon as I saw this, I wanted to call you. But rather than go through the list of uh, nominees and all that other crap, uh, we won't do that. Uh, but what I specifically wanted to, uh, to talk to you about, because I noticed this as I'm, as I'm watching this report last night, that, and we've talked about this before, the vast majority of the nominees are not from traditional television, meaning ABC, NBC, CBS, that sort of thing, but from the streaming uh, networks. That was already happening prior to the pandemic. What is life going to be like post-pandemic for this industry? Well, you're right. It's certainly changing, but it's also been changing um, for a while. And then if you look at just this century, how many, uh, you know, for the last 20 years, um, HBO has had the most nominations for 19 out of those 20 years. The only year they didn't was last year when Netflix had the most. So the broadcasters have been out of it for a while, really. And I'm always shocked that, I mean, this show is going to be on in September, the Emmys, the 73rd annual Emmys. Uh, on CBS, yeah. now, why would they show a three-hour infomercial for Netflix? You know? That you've talked about this before, and and it seems a little bizarre because again, what this is is a giant uh, promotion for all of these shows that you know some on traditional TV haven't even seen yet. At what point do they break free, or do they just keep trying to compete? It's just I think that the point is. We're, we're close to that. I think that you're going to see the Emmys on a streaming service at some point. It's just what the broadcasters have, the advantage they have right now still is if you want news, sports, or live events, yeah. you've got to have a broadcaster. And, you know, really you don't think of Netflix as a place to watch something that's happening live. And so that's why the Emmys work on there, I guess. It also kind of helps that, you know, um, CBS is owned by Viacom, which also owns Showtime. Yeah. So they have streaming services or at least cable pa- things that, that generate awards. So that they're still sort of in the game. Is that, in other words, the only thing that's really changed here is the method of distribution? Yeah, and, and just how dominant um, the streaming thing happened. The, the, of course, the pandemic, the last year and a half, uh, you know, the fact that Disney Plus has went from like, zero to 106 million subscribers in 16 months or something. Uh, you know, Netflix is in 200 million countries. The whole worldwide impact and the fact that a lot of these shows that have the most nominations now, The Crown, The Mandalorian, WandaVision, 
These are worldwide hits, the most watched shows in the world, and they're also now the most Emmy-nominated. How much does that factor in? The fact that, you know, uh, traditionally, uh, who, would, who was ever at the Emmys was probably just really uh, seen in North America. Now this is a worldwide situation with streaming. How does that change things? I think it changes it quite a bit. You know, the, that's, the television has become a borderless business more and more and more. And so, uh, you know, the people making these shows are always thinking, can I sell it to Germany? Can I sell it to India? You know, like it's... It's a different picture, so they're making shows with broader appeal. And just four years ago, if you look at the Emmy nominations, they were for um, you know shows like Silicon Valley, for example, um, the things that critics maybe loved a lot, but uh, weren't blockbuster hits. And that's what's changed is these nominations now. You I mean even if you haven't seen Ted Lasso, you've probably read about it. You you know you know mm. about it because. That's all that people are writing about is are shows that are on streaming services and they're they're selling subscriptions. So why can't traditional TV compete, or do they need to? Do they want to? Considering a lot of the parent companies own them all anyway. <laughs> exactly, and also it's a different game now. Broadcast is about if you look at the top thirty shows in Canada last week, ten of them are newscasts. Uh, the rest are Stanley Cup hockey and soccer games, and um, there's one scripted show in the most viewed shows last week in Canada. There's only one. Um, and, and now, mind you, it's the summer, and there's a lot of dumb reality and game shows on. Yeah. But nonetheless, that's a shocker. So, but it shows you that people go to broadcast still for for live events, and that's just the way it is now. Is there enough of that type of programming to keep these uh, outlets alive? I mean, is that the future of media? I mean, again, they all own each other in some way or another. TV, the traditional TV will be left to live events, news, sporting events, that sort of thing. And the content, whether it's comedy, drama, whatever, will be left to the streaming shows. I think so, yeah. I mean, if you look, this September, uh, Survivor is going to be back. It took a whole year off. They couldn't shoot in Fiji because of the pandemic. When it comes back, and it'll be on Global and CBS in September, it'll be huge. You know, it'll be yeah. a big, big audience, just as it's been for 20 years. And if you look at this summer, America's Got Talent is right back up there. So these uh, reality shows that are in real time will continue to be big draws in broadcast, as will news and sports. So it'll be game show variety more than series-type things. Yeah, you know, the other side of it is there will always be, like, Dick Wolf, who makes Law and Order, and he makes all these, uh, you know, first responder shows now, the Chicago shows. He'll have nine, (laughs) nine hour-long procedurals on network TV this fall. So the the kind of shows that don't really get awards, but there's still an audience. There's still one and a half million Canadians watch every week, FBI or these kinds of shows. And um, so I guess they will continue to find a home on network TV, um, but uh, you're not going to see people who are making stuff that they're trying to win awards or that is groundbreaking or really edgy, they're not even knocking on CBS's door. They're going straight to Netflix or Amazon or Disney. Uh, obviously, you said live events, sports, and such. Where does that leave late-night TV? It seems to be the only place where traditional uh, networks are gaining ground at the Emmys. Or at least holding ground. 
No, uh, yeah, you're right. So that's a live event, really. I mean, yeah. and so you, you've watched Conan O'Brien has finally folded his tent on TBS there, but he's going to be doing shows for HBO coming up. And we've seen David Letterman do uh, yeah. sort of shows for uh, Netflix and, and others, but there's not the same, you know, nobody's tuning in to see what Letterman says that night about something that happened that day. Uh, you know, that's the difference. you got to turn into Colbert for that now, or Fallon, or The Daily Show. And uh, that will remain. We watch those things evolve and do from home, and now they're coming back in front of a studio audience. So, But, boy, Scott, you know, it's a whole other world there of people watching all that stuff the next day on their phones. It's a very yeah. changing uh, world. So did the pandemic change anything or just speed it up? Wow. Um, I think it uh, both. I think it certainly accelerated the changes in late night. It made it, um, took it almost back to its roots, made it sort of... I like that. I liked when they tried to fumble through the stuff at their house or whatever they were doing. So did I. But, you know, that, that's, you know, when you go back in the 50s and look what Steve Allen did, or, you know, yeah. there's parallels there. It's interesting. Um, but uh, things were changing anyway. But, but uh, yeah, I do think the pandemic has altered it. Certainly, um, the 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 fact that you can get guests now and ha- and 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 feature them from all over the world, and they don't have to fly to L.A. or New York in order for them to be accepted by viewers and by hosts. Like everybody's used to it now, so you know you're fine if the, if they're not sitting right next to the host. I think you'll you'll still watch them on the show. What about the type of programs that we're going to see? I mean. You know, many have talked about during tough times, things turn fluffy and, and less serious, uh, escapism and such. Is this going to change uh, what we're watching or what we want to watch coming out the other end? We're seeing almost everything, aren't we? Like, you know, I think that one of my favorite shows on now is Hacks, the, the comedy with Gene Smart. It's, it's, and, but it's such a smart show uh, creatively. Her performance is amazing. So, uh, you know, you're seeing challenging stuff. Uh, even if it's just thrilling, like The Flight Attendant is nominated for a lot of Emmys. That was a really good action thriller with uh, Kaylee Kuko. Um, so uh, the bar is still high for drama. It's not all fluffy. Um, Queen, I mean, heck, millions watched The Queen's Gamut earlier, like a year yeah, ago. Yeah. You know, it's a show about, you know, chess. Yes. <laughs> you know, like, so, it, and WandaVision is such a breakthrough with it, the way that story is told. So, just we're seeing a, um, a lot of great uh, direction in, in many ways. And you know what I find uh, interesting with streaming uh, projects like this is uh, they just seem to step so outside the box. I'm thinking of the Comiskey Method and the various old actors that he's brought in over the course of this series, and, and you just don't expect them, and they walk in. I mean, it, it's, it's, it just seems to be a, a different level of production. Yeah, I, I love the Comiskey Method. Uh, sorry to see that go. Uh, certainly, uh, Alan Arkin was like towering performance on there. Yeah. I missed him on the season three. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, uh, the, you're right. We're, we're seeing all kinds of Kathleen Turner, of course, sort of stepped on that show for the final season. She didn't even get a nomination. I thought she mm. was pretty good. So uh, there's just more television, more places for actors who are older and uh, that's all good 
How do you make an impact when there's so much of this stuff? I mean, we remember, you know, 57 channels, nothing on. And, and you know, with the breakthrough of cable, now with streaming, it's, 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 it seems like it's 20 times as much. Yeah, well, they're all wrestling with that question, you know, and, and a lot of it is let's do a reboot or a remake. People have heard of this brand. Uh, you know, The Mandalorian is really just Star Wars uh, spun out into a series. Um, but, you know, it, it's it's very hard to be just that specific about it because then how do you explain uh, The Queen's Gambit, you know, or Mayor of Easttown or a lot of these other shows that aren't really spun off from anything. What about watching old stuff? We see so many services that are just running old stuff that we've all seen, but is there an audience there who is watching it? Is it people who haven't seen it before or is it people that want to go back down memory lane? It's both, and yeah, I mean, that's a big, big part of the picture. We watched Enlightened here. It was a series on 10 years ago on HBO just the last few days. We, um, Sandra here had never seen it. We sat and watched it, and uh, pretty good show. And I had seen half of it before, but, you know, there's just, you can't, nobody sees all of anything anymore, yeah, I think. Yeah. So even if your partner has seen some of it, you're going to sit through it again to get caught up, even if it is 10 or 20 years old. Bill Brio is with us, TV critic, author, and Brio.tv to find out more. Bill, as always, thanks so much for the time. Be well. You too, Scott. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.